Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are just new to the community, welcome in. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for joining in to listen to another segment. With me today is a very special guest by the name of Scott Anderson, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Scott. So Scott Anderson is a serial entrepreneur having launched and sold eight companies and has the score, the scars to prove it. He is also a licensed mental health therapist and is the creator of Burnout Breakthrough, a clinically proven system to help leaders and their teams recover from and even prevent executive burnout quickly and permanently. Scott also founded at easeusa.org, a tech-based treatment accelerator to help military families recovering from PTSD. And for those of you, PTSD is known as post-traumatic stress disorder. And today, Scott and I are going to be covering some things within entrepreneurship, leadership, leadership development, and how to really prevent burnout, because I'm sure we have all experienced some form of burnout, whether you're in that executive position, or maybe you're an IC, an individual contributor that may be just trying to climb to those executive ranks, but then you face some burnouts and feeling like you couldn't do it when all you needed is just to really know the place to advance that playbook. So without further ado, let's welcome Scott Anderson. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. My, thank you so much, um, Scott, and it's a pleasure and honor to have have you here to share in whole space and just to hear more about your expertise. So we're going to jump into the first segment, which is called the connection segment. This is the part that allows you to connect with the audience outside of the main topic. So there's two options I'd like to give my guests. We could either do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. Emphasis on rapid fire. So what are you in the mood Okay. For? Wow, I love this. This is fun. Uh, let's try rapid fire. I've had a lot of coffee today. I hope I can keep up with you. Okie dokie, here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Scott and Genesis. Do, 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 do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> love it. Question number one. What made you get involved in the work you're doing today? Oh, wow. Um, I think because the, the quickest answer I can come up with was that I had a lot of people help me, including some really great mentors and coaches. And that inspired me to, to do what I'm doing now. Question two, are you an animal lover? I am. I really am. Uh, if I could turn the camera a little bit, you'd see my snoring English bulldog who is constantly asleep on the couch behind me. Question three, if you had the choice to go anywhere in the world and money was no option, where would you be headed? Italy, very easy answer. I would be in Italy. I would live in Italy, actually, which I have done for a while. Amazing. Question four, favorite color? Blue. Question five, what's one word to describe you? Um, 
Well, today, I guess I would say passionate. Question six. Early on, you mentioned that you are a father. What's one piece of parental advice you would give to a new, a new mom and dad? Love them no matter what, no matter what they do. Question seven. If you could trade places with anyone, who would it be and why? And if not, would you just remain yourself? You know, I'm really happy to say that I'm pretty comfortable being me today. It's taken every moment of my life to this point to be able to say that. But, uh, you know, right this moment, I really do feel feel comfortable being me. I'd like to be Ronaldo uh, and play uh, soccer for Manchester United, but I don't think that'll happen soon. Question A. What is a favorite quote or mantra or something that picks you up when you may be having a little off day? Um, one that my one of my business partners gave me was make it about them. Um, and essentially what he meant was just switch the focus entirely from what's going on between your ears and make it entirely about them. That's transformative. That really helps me. Question nine. I always pay attention to details and I notice that you have a have a tattoo and I know some people have tattoos that are very symbolic and there is significance behind it. Would you like to share um, what your tattoo means? Just hold it up for those who are watching the video component and just give us like a overview. Wow, that's a hard one because I've got a lot of tattoos actually. One of the ones that I don't even know if you can see it is a bee. I've got a bee here that I had a tattoo artist in uh, Italy gave for me. And the reason that I, I have several B tattoos, and the reason is because I really think that uh, if we can, the thing I admire about bees is that they know what they're supposed to be doing and they do it every day, no matter what. And uh, as we all know, without bees, there'd be no, uh, there'd be no plants, there'd be no oxygen, et cetera. So the bees play a little role, but it's transformative. It's life-giving. And uh, I hope that that's my pursuit anyway, is to know what my purpose is and to try to do it with as much uh, consistency and enthusiasm as a bee does his job. And question 10, it is our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, this means that you are going to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass <laughs> okay. or play? Uh, I'll play. Why not? Roll the dice. Okay. Last question. If you had the choice to have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would you be partaking a meal with? You know, today I would say I would love to have lunch or dinner with an author named Michael Singer, who wrote uh, The Untethered Soul and wrote um, The Surrender Experiment, uh, who's a fabulous guy who I really admire, both as a uh, a spiritual uh, person and also as an entrepreneur. Um, his books have meant a, lo a lot to me. I would love to spend an hour with Michael Singer. Amazing. And that concludes the connection part of the segment. And thank you for playing Rapid Fire. <laughs> thank you. You just need some organ music or something at that point, dun, you know, dun, like the dun. game shows. <laughs> yes. So now we're going to jump into the main part of the segment, which is the work that you're doing now with executive leadership, leadership development, and et cetera. But before we dive really into it, I want you to give the audience an overview of your background because you haven't always been in the position that you are in now. So let's build up to that with a quick synopsis. 
Sure. Um, well, the, the one constant, I guess, in my life is that minus nine months of my life when I worked for a very large Fortune 500 company and failed totally. I was a terrible employee. Uh, with that exception, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And my, my father was an entrepreneur and his father was an entrepreneur and my mother's parents. And I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. And I just sort of grew up in an atmosphere where that was totally normal. Um, and I think some of the, the risk aversion that, that first-time entrepreneurs feel, I didn't feel quite as much uh, because it was just so normal and natural. Everybody in my family was an entrepreneur. So that's really what I've done all my life. Um, as you say, I've, I've launched a bunch of companies and sold a bunch of companies. And uh, as, as you read, I do have the scars to prove it. Um, but what's, it's sort of all led up, looking back, it's all sort of led up to what I'm doing today, which as an executive coach and um, mental health therapist. And I mainly serve entrepreneurs and ICs, individual contributors, as you said, who are trying to live their fullest life possible. Amazing. And since your mom and dad were both entrepreneurs, one question that I had, you said you went to work for a Fortune 500 company, you failed terribly, you realized that it wasn't <laughs> for you. Why yeah. did you choose to go work for a Fortune 500 company versus jumping right into entrepreneurship since you already had the foundation there, it sounds like? That's a question I've asked myself a lot because I had just run, I've been running a, a family uh, business that my grandfather started. I ran it for four years and sold it um, and to the employees. And uh, I really, I think maybe I just wanted a break from having all that pressure um, uh, because I was a pretty young guy. I was 25, 26 years old when I was doing this. And I was really only doing it because my father died very young and very suddenly. And uh, I think I just wanted the relief of not having to make payroll uh, every two weeks and uh, discovered that uh, the illusion of, of working for a Fortune 500 company is security and less pressure. And I discovered it's the opposite, at least for me. There's more pressure and more risk working for somebody else, in my view, than than working for yourself. So for nine months, uh, it was an IBM company. And in those days, everybody wore uh, red ties and blue suits. And I just wanted to, you know, run screaming out of the building. It was a terrible fit. That's, that's hilarious. I come from a corporate background. So I was in corporate for 15 years. Out of those 15 years, I was in oil and gas for 12. So four and a half with a small company and seven right. and a half with a Fortune 500 big oil and gas company, whose name yeah. I will not share on this recording. But <laughs> um, I definitely could see your, your views and your sentiments there because sometimes people feel like there is job security whenever you're working for somebody else. But exactly. um, as we all seen with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people thought their jobs were secured. And when the pandemic happened, you know, they exactly. had no they had no job because they placed all their eggs in one basket. And some people exactly. were either lucky to get either a severance package or they were on furlough where something something would pick up later on and they'll call you back to assume those responsibilities and other people were just flat out flat out and I was one of those people you know exactly. I thought I was on the up and up and then you know here comes the pandemic oil and gas I'm not yep. doing too good the market hit negative 37 I remember it was just crazy and, you know, it's surprising that employers today are surprised at how hard it is to recruit and retain talented people. But if we just go back two years in time, 
you know, there was wholesale uh, firings uh, of everybody in a pretty arbitrary way. Um, you know, I mean, in 2008 and 2009 with the Great Recession, it was a much more gradual process when people began to realize, boy, this is serious. But not so in 2020, people pivoted on a dime and fired people wholesale. But it's surprising to me today when employers and some of my clients say, boy, it's so hard to, <laughs> to recruit and hire people. Uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> you kind of didn't treat them very well in 2020. Absolutely. And hence why we're in the great resignation. And so I want to hear your, your take on that because you work a lot with executives and, you know, one, retaining as well as hiring people. The onboarding is just as expensive as the offboarding because whenever someone oh, yeah. offboards, you have to spend a lot of money with T&D, training and development, getting that new employee up to speed and et cetera. So with the coaching that you're doing, what are some of the challenges that you see with executives? Well, one of the biggest challenges that I see both for the employer and the employee are symptoms of burnout. That's the, the number one issue that I'm hearing about right now and, and something that we spend a lot of time addressing for our clients. And so <clears throat> unfortunately what's happened is that both employers and employees are exhausted. I just read a Gallup survey the other day that said that 89% of the American workforce says that they feel burned out most of the time. And by burned out, we mean exhausted, disconnected from their jobs, demotivated, um, and, and potentially antagonistic towards their coworkers. And, you know, 89% of the American workforce is feeling that way this time. And also an even more startling statistic is that in 2022, so two years uh, following the beginning of, the, of COVID, 81% um, of those people feel more burned out, more exhausted, more disconnected than they did in 2020, which is staggering to me. So one of the biggest problems is that people are just plain tired. And um, not just physically tired, but emotionally tired, psychologically tired, spiritually tired, if you will, uh, where they just, exactly, and they don't, they don't have it to give, uh, neither the employer nor the employee. And that's why really ground zero to me is both the, the recovery from and the prevention of burnout, because it is, it's much more of a pandemic than COVID is. Yeah, and I would definitely, I would definitely say the burnout is very, is very real because it not only affects the people at the top, but it also affects the people at the bottom. And if you can't have like, these transparent conversations with leadership and talk about development, whether it's personal or professional development, then we are only being a problem and not a solution to preventing the burnout. And, you know, sometimes employees want to be seen as well as heard. They want to know that they're valued. And whenever that in individual no longer feels valued by a company, then that individual becomes, you know, removed from the equation. Yes, they're going to do their job, but they're not as vested in the company because they're already looking at ways to build their exit strategy or exit stage left or stage right to do something that gives them that fulfillment. Absolutely. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, what it really boils from an employer's or, or really from a leader's standpoint, what it really boils down to is earning followership. It's, it's not enough to lead. You have to earn the, the voluntary followership of your team. And there's our, our employees, our teams are under no uh, responsibility or, or no uh, pressure to, to follow us. They they may nod their heads and act like they're following, 
but to really earn the followership of your of a team is is something that you can't do with just words and uh, you really have to number one you have to be trusted uh, by your teams and in the current environment especially with the scenario that you mentioned in 2020 with all the cuts for covid and there's there's cuts happening now it's a different kind of a thing now with high inflation um, there are a lot of companies that are trying to anticipate a recession in the United States. And so the same kind of wholesale um, uh, firings is happening now or preemptive firings is happening now, or at least they're considering a lot of companies are on the cusp of doing it. And, um, you know, it's very hard to earn trust if you're not transparent, um, as painful as being transparent may be. Absolutely. And let's talk about like core values and missions, because I'm sure you, whenever you work with leaders or executives or anyone that is up in that echelon, you, you may have asked them, what are your core values? What are, what's your mission statement? How are you showing up? Because you can't just show up in one way, but then behind closed doors, you act another way because then the communication is getting blurred. And then the people who are looking up to you feel like they can't trust you because they don't see you walking it like you're talking it. Can you elaborate exactly. on that? No, you've, you've really put your finger on the problem, I think. Um, and it's the reason for, it's, it has a lot to do with the great resignation. It has a lot to do with the difficulty in recruiting and retaining people. I've talked to a lot of corporations who they'll get a low engagement score. They'll do a uh, culture amp or Gallup uh, engagement survey of their of their team and discover that engagement is very low. And they'll be afraid, mainly from the economic standpoint, that they're not going to be able to recruit and retain the best people. They already know that they're having trouble doing that. But the knee-jerk reaction almost always is, well, we have to either dust off our mission, vision, and values, or sometimes they just call it MVV, or we have to create a new set of mission, vision, and values. And what I usually tell uh, the, the clients that I work with is it is very dangerous to, to go to do a knee-jerk um, reaction like that, because if you can't live up to mission, vision, and values, they will do much more harm than good. Um, you know, and, and really, the, it requires first a gut check. How do we really behave? You know, not aspirationally, how, how should we behave or how do we want to behave? But how do we really behave? That's where the whole conversation has to start. And I've seen a lot of companies, you know, when today when employees say or employees here, um, there's going to be a town hall Zoom call and you get to hear about our brand new mission, vision and values. And you've had zero contribution. No one's asked you anything about it, but they're going to come down like like uh, Moses from Mount Ararat with these tablets of stone. And you're supposed to feel really good about it. And, you know, you can almost hear the eyes rolling in the heads of, of individual contributors because this is not their first rodeo. They know this is bullshit and um, they know that they know exactly what it's about. They know what it's for. It's intended to make engagement scores go up. It's meant to be a bomb. Unfortunately, it has the opposite effect, exactly the opposite, because, again, this isn't their first rodeo. Their eyes do roll in their heads and they kind of tune out because they know this is just so much more rhetoric that's meant to placate people who are not children, they're, they're adults who've been through this, they know it's bullshit. So Absolutely. a lot of times with leaders, that's why I really say, you know, unless you're really ready, as you said earlier, to walk the walk and talk the talk, unless you're really committed, like a, with a, a great seriousness, then you're going to do your company more harm, harm than good to trot out mission, vision and values. It'll, it, it is, it strikes people as a cruel joke. 
if the behavior is exactly contrary. Absolutely. I call it that lip service because I've been in so many different town halls. And then while you're in the town hall, some companies use Slido where they'll put up questions and they want to pull the audience or whatnot. Yeah, but then right. even if you do the Slido, it's like, okay, how are you really taking the metrics and analyzing it? Is this just lip service? Because whenever you leave that town hall and you don't see them begin to take any actions based on what was said, it's like, oh my gosh, I went to this mandatory meeting, I waste my time, and I could have, you know, spent more time doing something that was more productive based on my scope and area of work, but it's so-called mandatory because they want to feel like they're doing something, and we've seen that with the whole DEIMB initiative, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and from my standpoint, whenever I was with my last company before I, you know, so I found out I was being laid off first, but I was forced to work up until February 15th in order to get my severance package and my pension because this was one of the few companies that still had a pension. And I was there for over over five years, so I was vested. And I was like, hmm, are we really talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because of the whole George Floyd incident, because we already knew there was an issue in this area. But because something happened on national TV, you guys want to jump on the bandwagon and you did it a lot slower in comparison to your competitors whose CEO and other people were speaking out on what they were going to do. But are you really doing this just to check a box to show your shareholders that you're diverse, you're equitable, you're inclusive, and there is a sense of belonging? Or are you doing it to show your employees and the people that are doing the work at the bottom that you're really here to see and hear them? Yes. So can well, you that's the me? problem. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. And, and you're exactly right. Certainly in Fortune 500, 1,000 companies, and it, I think it's now extended to most companies, there is a, um, it's almost like a compliance box to check. But most employees are not children and not idiots at all. But to the contrary, you know, if you've recruited the right people, they're very smart and they they see around corners and they see through uh, transparent rhetoric like this. So, you know, that's I think the main thing is that if if employers would think of their employees as being every bit as smart as they are and every bit as savvy as they are, um, and not children and not idiots, uh, they would do everybody a big service. And the other part of it is, is that mission, vision, values typically comes from the top down. Um, and, and in the case of public, publicly traded companies, this is the reason that I didn't last long in a Fortune 500 company, but it, it does have more to do with cosmetics and, and superficial um, preaching than anything else. Uh, the companies that I do the most work with are entrepreneurial companies and um, small, small business, basically. Companies maybe under $100 million dollars. And where I think owners have the opportunity to really be to do more good, uh, to mean what they say and say what they mean, uh, do what they mean. Um, whereas it's much more challenging for larger companies. And so, but really, uh, to me, the, the best way to do mission, vision, and values is, first of all, to include everybody. If we're going to be inclusive, let's be inclusive. And let's really find out because it's the people generally on the firing lines in most companies that have the most client contact and really know the most about what the company really does. If you strip away all the platitudes and marketing language, what the company really does, um, what what really does make clients happy on the firing line. And to me, if you're going to do a mission, vision, and values exercise, and I'm not, that's not always the right thing to do. 
Um, but, the, but the first person I would talk to is the person on the firing line so that they can really talk about what do we do? When we delight a customer, what does that look like? Um, what are we best at? When we're at our best, what are we doing? But typically people in C-suite offices aren't in a good position to know that. And that's why top-down mission, vision, and values typically uh, fail and typically get the reception that we've just talked about. Absolutely. I would agree because people from the top down, they don't have their hands and feet on the ground to like kind of oversee what's going on because they're not doing the day-to-day grunt work. It's the people at the bottom who's um, taking the mission and bringing it to the top. But if the top down and the bottom up aren't meeting halfway where you can have a COE, a center of excellence or a center of expertise, then we're definitely missing the mark there. And one thing that I that I would also add to that, um, Scott, because you bring up very valid point is for someone that is on the firing line, you also need to be mindful that that individual may be hurt because maybe they spent so much time with this with, with your company and now you feel like like you're treating them like as if they don't matter. So they may not be open and receptive to giving you all the information or even doing an exit strategy. They just want to wash their hands and cut ties with you exactly. and go, go about their business because how did you treat them leading up to that firing? Did they right. feel did they feel seen? Did they feel heard? Did they feel valuable or whatnot? Or did they feel like they were just a token or a placeholder? And whenever the going got tough, you let them go at the dime. Exactly. And this is one of the reasons why uh, employee burnout or just general workplace burnout is so dangerous because what happens is exactly what you said. Um, you know, the symptoms of burnout are, first of all, an exhaustion that's, that's bone deep. And, and the second thing that happens is a disconnection from or uh, the passion that an employee or anyone in the company might have had goes away. And so what happens immediately is that, and, and, the, and the employee or the employer isn't necessarily going to talk about this, isn't necessarily going to send an email to someone saying, hey, guess what? I'm 50% as engaged. I've got 50% less give a damn than I had before. And I'm really just mailing this in. I mean, no one's going to say that. But, but you can see that throughout the company that all of a sudden productivity drops dramatically, creativity, innovation, um, and all the things that, that really do deliver on the firing line to your customer are, are compromised deeply. And so if you look at it, if you take away the personal, the, the sort of humanitarian aspect of burnout, which is, I think, where we all have to look to live, um, at a very bottom line business standpoint, the, the company just, you can have people in place it, from the top to the bottom, but if their hearts aren't in it, it you know, you're simply not going to perform um, and your customers are going to feel it. And they're going to know it's bullshit too. <laughs> You're going to lose them. Yes, absolutely. That whole morale, like you, you're going to see it, you're going to feel it, and you're like, dang, what's going on? So Scott, I want to throw you an audible here because you have a lot to say about right. this topic, and we had a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to add to the conversation that would add value to the audience based on what I didn't ask or what we didn't get into? Well, I think number one, um, you know, there's sort of two sides to the topic of burnout. One of them is, you know, if you're in an, an environment where it is a discriminatory environment, where it's a um, predatory, uh, unfair, you know, environment, then you should run away screaming, uh, you know, get out. Um, life is too short and there's just, well, life is too short. Uh, on the other hand, one of the things we've discovered about burnout is that there are a lot of things that each individual can do for themselves 
um, to help uh, not only recover from burnout, but also prevent burnout from happening. And you know, burnout is caused essentially by um, unceasing stress, uh, unrelenting stress, day after day after day after day. And there are a lot of tools and techniques that are proven to manage this state, um, but they're not the ones that our minds naturally go to. And so, uh, but there are some techniques that are proven to work. And I think everybody, um, you know, if you're being discriminated against, if it's an unfair, uh, you know, misogynistic, narcissistic environment, run away, life's too short. But if you're in an environment where, um, you know, you're starting to feel exhausted, the passion's starting to go, there are a lot of things that you could do to keep yourself healthy. And, uh, in a, you know, as we climb in any organization, as we take on more responsibility, uh, there's going to be more stress. So learning the ways to manage that stress is really, really important. Thank you for adding that value there. And Scott, let's jump into the CTA, which is the call to action part of the segment. What is sure. your call to action for the audience today? Sure, there are a couple of things, and I can give you some links for uh, show notes. But um, you know, basically, we've got a um, we've got a mastermind. Um, that I would invite people to take a look at uh, at burnoutbreakthrough.com, uh, HTTPS, uh, burnoutbreakthrough.com. And it takes you through um, the, the uh, most common symptoms of burnout, uh, but also give you the five uh, shifts that have been proven to both prevent and help you recover from burnout. The other thing I'll give you um, once we're offline is a link to a online burnout assessment tool which can be very helpful, not only in understanding what the symptoms actually are of burnout, um, and burnout is a bonafide disorder now as defined by the World Health Organization, uh, but can also help you gauge the degree to which you, you are clinically burned out if you are. So those are the two things, and I'll, I'll share those with you and you can share them with your, with your uh, audience, but I think those are two things that could be valuable. Amazing, and outside of um, burnout breaks, um, burnoutbreakthrough.com. Do you have a personal website that you want to share? And does your website have backlinks to your social media? Yes, it does. Um, my, uh, my principal website is, uh, my practice is called Double Dare. And uh, my URL is Double Dare U, Y-O-U, Double Dare U.us. And there's a lot of information there about um, both, um, uh, well, burnout and leadership and generating followership, followership in particular. Um, so yeah, doubledareyou.us would be a good place to go. Amazing. And then what social channels are you on primarily, Scott? Oh, I think all of them, a lot of them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Instagram, or um, Twitter, I think are the main ones. Okay, amazing. So there you have it, audience. You just heard from Scott Anderson, and we talked about entrepreneurship, leadership, and leadership development, and also how to recognize burnout and how to prevent it. All of the um, additional information that Scott shared will be in the show notes. So make sure you read, scroll on down, and tap in with Scott. I also want to encourage you to share this segment with somebody else that could benefit from it. So like, comment, follow and subscribe. We're on 40 plus audio platforms. This video is housed on our YouTube channel and you can find that by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S with Genesis and Morris Kent. And lastly, but not least, where would I be without my supporters? 
You know I only think about you. I want to thank each one of you for supporting the guests that come into the community, as well as the mission and movement behind the show, which is to bring content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, while we also curate a space for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it does take all of us coming together to make this world a better place and push the needle forward. We weren't created to do life alone. We were created to do life together. And my big ask, ASK, is for brand sponsors. It does take money and overall resources to continue a mission and movement. So if you want to be heard right here where this podcast is currently ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the KPIs on www.listennotes.com is where you'll see those metrics. Send me an email to genesisamoriskemp at gmail.com to find out more info or head out, head out and go on over to my website, genesisamoriskemp, to learn more info. Until the next guest, next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. And don't just take the, the message you heard today. Apply what you heard and build upon it because that is how you are going to make sure that you are taking the right steps to navigate where you want to go. What good is listening to something if you're not going to take the knowledge and run with it? So think about it. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.